0: Um, okay, hello everyone. My name is Atlas. I, pronouns are they, them. I'm a neurodivergent freelance writer, and I'm here to share a story about grief.
1: Grief has many definitions. Most of the time, our minds drift immediately towards the death of somebody. But when we talk about grief, we're talking about the loss of something. Sometimes that is the death of a loved one. Sometimes that's the loss of a relationship. What happens, though, if that happens both at the same time? I'm JD. This is the What's Your Story podcast. This week, you're going to hear a story that combines both of those losses all at the same time. And what that means for both your mind, your soul, and the journey that it takes to go through the grieving process no matter what your story is when it comes to grief whether you've experienced it yourself or know somebody who has there is valuable lessons and valuable inspiration to be learned from this week's story This podcast is humbly sponsored by BetterHelp. As a holistic health coach turned mental health advocate, I know the importance of finding the right support. Why? Because I've been battling anxiety and depression for over 10 years, and I know I'm not the only one who struggles with their mental health. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, BetterHelp is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen. Talk to your therapist in a private, online environment at your convenience. All you do is just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you're matched with the therapist in under 48 hours. I say this all not as someone telling you to simply click on another sponsor, but as someone who's been seeing a better health therapist for the past year. I've never felt more valued, respected, and full of hope for my mental clarity than I do with each passing session with my therapist. Join the 3 million plus people, that plus being me, who have taken charge of their mental health when experienced Better Health Therapists. As a special bonus offer to listeners, you get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at BetterHelp.com slash Fragile Moments. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fragile Moments. Remember, just because you need help doesn't mean you're not worth helping.
0: Um... I introduced myself as a freelance writer specifically because it has put me in this place where I am in control of everything, (laughs) my hours, my work, the things I do, you know, the days I take off, everything, even my money in that regard. Um, And so at the beginning of this year, I was at a pretty good place. I had just reached six figures in my business for the first time, which is a huge milestone for someone on their own, you know, and. Um, and I was feeling good I'll be honest I was feeling really good <laughs> and so quarter one started of 2021 and I was on fire you know I was trying new things maybe coaching here trying a different kind of launch this way and just like because I had this such security I was just in this in this really joyful spot of exploring and, and um, I had this kind of security to try new things and fail and it, it wasn't that big of a deal um and so end of quarter one comes around. And I take my quarterly break. I go uh, on vacation to a music festival for my birthday. Cause that's, you know, why not treat yourself <laughs> again? I'm in this place of joyous creation and curiosity and just trying new things, meeting new people. Um, and then I, I get back from that vacation and I feel really good. And I have a birthday party for myself back home because I had spent my birthday, you know, away from home and the night, of my birthday party. Um, I invite my friends over and we have a really good time and it's a good party. I keep things really low key, especially after COVID. Um, I, I just have small knits and a little house party and that's basically it. Um, I fall asleep in the living room on the floor because that's a good party. (laughs) And, um, and I wake up to something unprecedented. Um, I see a post on Facebook first thing in the morning, and I'm not hungover, luckily, because I don't do many drinks or anything these days. But um, a very confusing post that was like, oh, no, this friend is going through something. It was a very vague post. You know, it was one of those what's going on type posts where people just seem sad on social media, but you don't know why. And so I'm like, oh, no what has happened to this friend? Um, His name is Ulysses and um, one of my closer friends, but was not one to go out much. So I didn't expect him to come to the party. Um, But He was invited. He knew that. And I look into it deeper and someone sends me a message. And this is someone I don't know. I don't know who they are. They're a random person on Facebook. I see that we have Yuli as a mutual friend. And he's trying to explain what's going on. And he's like, you know what, you should just call. And I was like, call who call where like what what Yuli won't answer the phone like what's going on. And he says, No, 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 call me. And I said, Okay, this is gonna be bad. <laughs> if I have to call a stranger, like I gotta take a deep breath. And um, there's no easy way to say it. That's literally what he said first thing. He said that uh, Yuli unfortunately passed away this year, last night. And um, there's a newspaper clipping that I can send you. That's the only thing that we have, really.
1: Even if we expect the person that we love to pass away due to a tragic illness, it doesn't make the news of it any easier to hear. But when we get a message from somebody that a person that we loved has passed away so abruptly and so unexpectedly, the weight of that grief smacks you like a freight train and recovering from that takes longer and takes more to to think about because, well, blindsided is the word that really comes to mind, isn't it?
0: Um, They had identified his body and stuff later on, but, you know, of course, th- this is the morning after my birthday party. I'm, I fall to the floor and, and do what? You know, I don't even cry. How do you even process that? Um, Luckily, it was the day after my birthday party, so all of my friends were still there <laughs> i was uh you know just looking back at it now that's such a gracious place for me to have been post party with this news like that's not even news right that's a life changing phone call, and my best friend lives with me and my roommates with them at the time, so you know they're the first person I tell, and same thing as soon as I tell them, I kind of just clutch my stomach and Fall to the ground to my knees I don't I don't know how to I don't even know how to begin you know articulating the feelings you know like I'm a I'm a freelance writer words are what I do <laughs> and so for me not to have the words is a very jarring experience and obviously that took something out of me right and so It was not a hard decision for me to take a break again, even though I had just gotten back from the two week vacation. It was it was obvious to me I was going to need some time to to process this. And, you know, people in careers, you know, normal employment situations have bereavement leave. So I have I should have mine as well. Right. And so with the help of my best friend, uh, I write an email to all my clients, um, just letting them know what was going on. Not in too much detail but just that I was going to be taking another, you know, break from, from work, uh, unexpected leave. Um, and that leave kind of just doesn't stop. <laughs> I, I come back to work sort of, but I'm not fully there. I, I, I try to, you know, continue things as usual, but I'm very honest with most of my clients. That's why I do, you know, that's why I freelance to some degree so I can be my full self. And I let them know that I'm struggling. And I let them know that, you know, because of the, I guess, trauma, I mean, I guess trauma, yeah, Um, my brain fog is twice as bad as usual. And it's already not great because I have ADHD. I forget things, you know, little things, but I do forget things pretty frequently, Um, And so adding brain fog on top of that makes my even cognitive abilities to process or think of ideas or all of these things I'm paid to do, (laughs) do it well. And I'm not beating myself up during this time. I have spent a lot of years working on self-compassion, but something is obviously wrong. And, And like, again, I'm not harshing down on myself about that. But I'm also not doing anything about that, and I think that you know, for a long time, that was what I was excusing myself. Was I was I was giving myself space. I was allowing myself to do what I needed. I was breathing deeply. I was, you know, I was just, I was just taking it day by day, and 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 you know, especially when your entire you know financial well being lays on your shoulders too, you know. Uh, that weighs on anyone, regardless of what they're going on, you know, through. So, you know, knowing and and experiencing yourself that you're not at 100 percent, you're not even at 80 percent or 70 percent, you know, you're maybe at 50 percent capacity operating and through time, you know, clients start dropping off and I I don't really blame them. And it, and it but it also wasn't because of like me missing work, if that makes sense. Um, it was just, you know, clients here or there, maybe they just thought maybe I couldn't keep up with the workload or, um, they were changing directions and, you know, a normal path of business, a client leaves, you replace them. But I didn't ever replace these clients.
1: Grief never gives us a moment to think. It doesn't matter whether we're prepared for it or not. It just comes. And we either are... Ready to be on that journey and ready to talk about what just happened, or we push it aside and we wait for that moment to come later on down the road when we are ready to talk about it. Personally, I've only experienced the loss of a loved one a couple times in my life. Most of those people left our family when I was much younger, so I didn't truly grasp the magnitude of the situation. My wife lost her father several years ago due to cancer, and so I witnessed the process of grieving, and to some degree still do, through her. And something that I learned pretty early on is that one of the toughest parts about grieving is that the world revolves around you still. Things still have to be done. There's work, there's household chores, even the simplest of tasks. But it seems like the world doesn't care that you're grieving. It It seems like the world doesn't even realize that you lost something, someone, some important relationship in your life that you're never going to get back. And that can be something more frustrating than just the loss themselves.
0: I So they kept kind of dropping off month after month, never anything huge, but, you know, just a little bit trickled. And I just continue to not replace them. And I, I make this decision actively. But again, I think this was part of the problematic behavior that eventually led to strange relationships from people closest to me that that best friend that um, helped me you know initially process the news and write that email to clients over time you know I, they were close to to Yuli as well but they have first of all they're a decade older than me so they have a little bit more lived experience and they have had people in the past you know been lost to them and so something like this is unfortunately not new to them Um, and, and I wouldn't say Yuli was, they were close. They were just friends, but, um, still I, I could see that they were dealing with it much easier than I was from the very beginning. It, it, and in that like haze and blur of grief and emotion, of course, there's like anger and and confusion and sadness and a lot of weird emotions too. And I remember just kind of being upset at them for taking it so easy. You know, knowing their past, knowing why, you know, it wasn't a surprise to me, but it just like it felt unfair that they had such an, quote unquote, easier time with it than seemingly I did. And that, of course, you know compounded into my grief brain assuming that they didn't care about yuli or maybe they just didn't care about me or maybe they didn't see they weren't paying attention to how hard i was struggling or how how much this was affecting me still six months later you know and um obviously they continued to to move on with their life right you know just taking their life day by day where whereas i felt still stuck in that that moment of like finding out and i had sought out counseling in this time. Um, But it wasn't good for me. And I didn't realize that until after I left the counselor that I realized she wasn't that good of a counselor. In terms of grief, I think, you know, I had initially hired her for something else. So I can't, I guess, exactly blame her for not being a grief counselor. But I still think that, you know, if as a professional, you see that your patient is now going through something a little bit outside of the scope that maybe you had decided on at the beginning of the work uh, to take proactive approach to helping them or at least helping them reflect on the decisions that they are making. Because at, on this end of things, I realized that I just wasn't reflecting at all during this time. I was just allowing myself to move forward day by day because it is so hard just to do that. You're absolutely right when you say that. But when it comes to continuing to be a human being and continuing to be a, a better human being day by day reflection is absolutely necessary and so as you can imagine from my my best friend's points of view um we'll call her a just for anonymity's sake uh she has a pretty unique name so <laughs> um you know she was kind of just experiencing her friend going more and more distant and lashing out more and, you know, aware that I was grieving. She's not stupid. She knew what was going on. But but things just kept getting worse instead of getting better. And, you know, I think everyone expects that a little bit in a grief process, right? Like, even in depression or in anxiety, you kind of have to confront the, the roots of those things. And that hurts a lot. And that sucks. But then it does get better eventually. But with this, it just didn't seem to. And you know, we were planning on, we had a trip trip, uh, plan to New York together. We'd planned this before Yuli died. Um, we had, you know, I was planning on starting some travel full-time this year um, because I had built myself up to that place last year where I was sustaining myself, you know, substantially on my own that I could pretty much travel anywhere and, and be okay. And, you know, it, it just kept getting more and more constrained and I think you know, we were spending so much time together still through all, all these moves that were stressful. And I was traveling a lot still because, you know, I just needed to get out of the state more often. I just had to get out of the state in my my day-to-day more often. And, and I had had friends that were willing to fly me out to go visit them and that sort of thing um, to just take some more time as I needed. And it just never got better. And I think, you know, through that... It, it just got worse, right? So if it doesn't get better, it just got worse. And eventually the relationship became toxic.
1: A toxic relationship is one that makes you feel unsupported, misunderstood, demeaned, or even attacked. A relationship is toxic when your well-being is threatened in some way, whether that be emotionally, psychologically, and even physically. On a basic level, any relationship that makes you feel worse rather than better can become toxic over time. Toxic relationships can exist in just about any context, from the playground to the boardroom to the bedroom. You may even deal with toxic relationships among your own family members. Toxic relationships can cause some real damage to your self-esteem and your overall mental health, as well as your physical health. Having constant drama in a relationship can distract us from the other relationships in our lives, which lead to a sense of social isolation, which also causes other issues like depression or... Worse in sleep quality, you may even find that a toxic relationship impacts your ability to engage in self care. You may sacrifice your normal routine, which includes personal hygiene, exercise, hobbies, and so much more.
0: I hadn't even realized that A was experiencing so much negativity from me. I knew she was smart, so I I knew that you know she knew what I was going through, and I figured well she could take it because she's smart. She knows what's going what's going on, so she knows it's not against her. You know, it's it's just something I'm going through and she happens to be in proximity, but no friend deserves to be treated like crap. That's just the end of it. It doesn't matter what you're going through. And I can hold responsibility to myself as a mentally ill person to still be a good human being or take action to, you know, maybe reduce harm on others. But I have to say if you don't know you're harming others, <laughs> it is hard to take action to be proactive, to not do that. And so, Mm -hmm. well, and I think part of the, the biggest part of the struggle while the struggle with a specifically was that I knew how I was coming across the entire time. I knew I wasn't being considerate. I knew I wasn't taking the extra step to assume or or help someone feel comfortable. I knew I wasn't um, checking in with her as often as I used to. And there was other things going on. You know, my partners were fighting at the time. And so I had to help them kind of figure things out. And, um, and then, you know, we were moving a lot. And so that was really stressful, taking up both of our perspectives, A and mine. And so like, A did bring it up like once. <laughs> but I had to let her know at the time, it wasn't a good time. And then I think what ended up happening was just she never brought it up again. And someone who's going through all this grief Someone who has ADHD pre existing, as I mentioned with clients, you know, my project management skills were kind of in the crapper. (laughs) I was forgetting things left and right. And so, of course, I forgot that I would tell A, you know, when I would be able to follow up with her again or that, yes, totally, we can talk about this later. And of course, you know, in hindsight, now the answer is so simple. It's just, I just need to tell her to take the reins and tell me again, you know, bring this back up in a week or something bring this back up in a couple days or or whatnot but i think you know just by the end of it she felt ignored she felt unappreciated i'm sure she felt you know like she had lost her friend too because like on you know looking at me through her eyes of course it's hard to see your friend go through that too and so by the end of it we were in new york (laughs) um and we didn't spend any time together. We we didn't go out at all together. We didn't eat any meals together. We didn't go take the train together. We didn't, we we weren't friends. We just were in New York together and it was bad. It was really bad. It was, it was still New York and it was still fine. It was still fun and there was other people there and, and we both have friends in New York. So it's not like it was just like depression city 24 seven. But it was the final straw for sure, and it was the it was what sealed the deal, kind of the final nail in the coffin. And I basically just told her, like, you know, if this trip is indication of anything, we shouldn't continue traveling together. <laughs> and that ended up in a blowout fight. Um, finally, it was the fight that we needed months ago. You know, the fight, like I, the final like show of emotion. That, that really sealed the deal in my brain that I was causing harm to her. I didn't even know how bad it was until then. And that's not an excuse on my end because again, I was in grief haze, so I was definitely not as observant as I am normally. But also, I do hold A accountable to being more communicative and being more proactive because she knew what I was going through. And, you know, communication is a two-way street, and I, I guarantee you she felt like she couldn't talk to me. And that's valid. But at the end of the day, I I lost another friend. And while it was not as soul-crushing as using, losing Yuli, because that is definitely more permanent, and you know that in your soul, I think that losing this friend is also permanent. At least, like... We'll never have the same friendship again. We'll always have to have become friends again. Does that make sense? Like, it's not that we have, we've we've always been friends. It's that, like, we broke up and we had to become friends again. That's the best case scenario of the situation. Right now, we're not talking at all. I don't even know if she's in New York. And in all honesty, I don't care to know. I don't want to know. Because part of our problem was that we were codependent as friends. Which is apparently something that can happen. <laughs> you could know, be codependent as partners, but it absolutely helped happened to me and my best friend. We became enmeshed. You know, we became too reliant on each other and um, lost our our individual identities in that. And I th- and so you can imagine that then ripping that apart.
1: <laughs> each of us is a constantly unfolding narrative, a hero in a novel no one else can write. Which is why. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these stories here on this podcast. You see, if I could sum up everything I've learned from being a mental health educator, it would boil down to one thing. You are not alone. I believe in the healing power of telling your story and sharing with the world. And so I created an opportunity I'm so solidly behind when it comes to healing from trauma and tragedy due to the darkness of mental illness. As someone who's a listener of this podcast, I want to personally invite you to the Storyteller Community. For $5 a month, the Storyteller Community is a private, self-led community for those willing to do the work to create lasting transformation on their path to greater mental clarity. It's a community that thrives in the mindset that, in our oneness, we can find an opportunity to truly heal. Head over to the website at fragilemoments.org slash community today to learn more. I cannot wait to have you be part of the Storyteller community with me as we share our collective stories and journeys from all over the world. So head over to FragileMoments.org slash community, and let's build, share, and heal together. People from all over the world have been sending in questions, and it turns out that most of us are dealing with the same kinds of things. From breakups and loss to work pressure, racism to gender, dealing with parents to dealing with social media and want to talk more about them. So ask me anything. Head over to the website today at fragilemoments.org ask. Whatever you think our generation needs to have conversations about when it comes to what weighs on us and causes our mental health struggles. Sometimes I'll combine research with my own thoughts and other times I'll bring in an expert for a chat on social media where you can join the conversation. All submissions are anonymous. I only asked for general demographic info in order to understand our reach and our impact. So head to FragileMoments.org slash ask today. And remember, I'm just a human being like you. I just happen to think we should talk more. Something to realize as we finish up Atlas's story is just a range of emotions that one can, can travel through in any given moment. You know, we experience so many different feelings and emotions on a daily basis, all of which have the power to drastically affect our physical and mental health. But if scientifically these emotional reactions weigh absolutely nothing, how can it be so that when we experience loss, a total absence of someone or something we love, the sensation feels so heavy, it can cripple us completely and knock over any equilibrium we might have shared in life
0: the grief is 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 very real and for a little while there it 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 felt just as real as losing losing you late mm-hmm. i think um you know with the end of someone in death you kind of are able to create this idealized version of them in your head that realistically unless you check yourself no one can really deny <laughs> because that person's no longer here and, and for a lot of people I recommend thinking about the person in all their best light and qualities before you think about the full spectrum of the human because <laughs> you know it's a lot easier to grieve when it's happy tears rather than you know hateful or sad tears um, but with a friend who's still alive <laughs> you don't get that idealized version of them Sure, you could hold on to the the past and the memories and the nostalgia, but realistically, you know, I I don't see it being un... Like, I, I see myself running into this person again at some
1: point, right? Go back to the beginning with me for a second and think about that definition that you had of grief. The loss of someone. Now let's take a deeper look at that. Because grief really is... That heavy lump in your throat that's difficult to swallow. It's the stinging in your eyes that threaten to burst out into tears. It's the empty and painful feeling in your chest that simply rests there. Simply put, grief is the heart wrenching response to emotional trauma. You know, it's
0: if anyone in the audience has um, felt this, you know, your first crush or your first breakup you get so worried that you're gonna run into them in public like oh my god I'm gonna run into them at Walmart oh my god I'm gonna run into them at McDonald's or oh my gosh I'm gonna see them at school or you know like and then you never do <laughs> you never, never run into them at public but maybe at school but um but yeah it's just that person still exists and so your version of that person is already gone and so if I were to run into a again which again like I am open to us becoming friends again. It would just be a different friendship, and that's that's something that I think is is healthy and normal. But it it, it should be noted, you know, like it's it's unhealthy in my opinion to expect to get back to a place you were because that's just not how time works. Time moves forward. <laughs> uh, well, your idealized version is forgetting what happened, <laughs> and that's like what you can't just you can't just forget things that have happened but you can heal them you absolutely can but yeah I think you know I'm about a month in to losing A and about 10 months in to losing Yuli yeah no this is a very fresh experience but yeah and so you know we're we're inching up on close to a year now with Yuli and you know I feel of course sad and emotional still I'm sure you can tell but But yeah, I think, you know, ultimately I do feel at peace with, with both, with both endings as they are now, at least. Because truth be told, Yuli was struggling. And I knew that. Um, I never, I never knew him in a time where he was not struggling. So to to say that I'm, I'm sad about his death would not be the full truth. Because I, I almost feel relief for him. And, um, I feel that way for A, too, you know? Um, if if my relationship was with her was causing her so much harm, you know, I would, I would never want that for a friend. And so if us not being friends has, helps her to self-actualize the life that she deserves, then, you know, I I can only feel happiness from her at the end of the day. Mm. Well, I would say that... Um, The biggest thing with A is, I already mentioned it, but it's that you can get unhealthily attached to your friends too. I talk. I learned a lot about attachment theory, um, actually, because of Yuli. Um, I had a huge crush on him for like a year, like killer, like thinking about him every day, high school type crush. And it was that kind of like almost obsession with him that led me to to attachment theory. Which, if you don't know what that is, is this theory that. the, the way that you formed relationships as a child with your parents or your, your caretakers is basically indicative of how you will react to all future relationships. Romantic and, now I understand, also platonic. Now, I will say that I do think it is my autism that makes my relationships a lot more intense. And so the attachment stuff applying to platonic relationships may not be apl- applicable to everyone. But if it does feel like that rings a bell, I would definitely look into it because you can absolutely unhealthily attach to your friends too and not even realize it. You're treating them like a partner, but you don't feel like a partner. You know, like uh, I I don't have any really romantic or sexual interest in A, but the way we were interacting was like partners. We were living together, taking care of each other, you know, everything. The love was there, you know? And so Now with that knowledge, I will move forward in all my relationships a lot more careful about the way that I am processing emotions and processing emotions about situations, because I will now have this lens of, oh, my parents treated me that way, you know? Um, And so for that, I think, you know, A, of course, it's very fresh. I think I'm still in the processing and reflection phase where it's just coming to the okayness of it, like just recognizing that it is what it is. I think I've gotten past that and now it's into the reflecting phase of how did it get there um and this I do with the help of a therapist a good therapist I have a new therapist <laughs> yeah yeah and I think um the biggest thing that this new therapist has done for me has been they've kind of been my my self-advocacy like my support basically the the person that can just agree that, yes, you need to get out of this relationship. Yes, you should tell them that you want to take space. Yes, you know, all of those hard decisions that you kind of know you need to say, but it's hard to rally yourself up to do it, you know? So I think a good therapist helps you take action, at least for me. Um, and then when it comes to Yuli, you know, we're 10 months, 9 months, 10 months in. And I'm definitely, I'm definitely okay with it, you know? Like I said, I from the get-go even from the very beginning i knew that I, while i was sad for myself i was relieved for him um i and so yes I, I accepted it pretty quick but i think that i have not accepted how it like actually relates to my life yet because as i said yuli wasn't the friend to really go out much um I rarely saw him out in, like, bars or shows or anything, and the majority of the time that we spent together was just at my house, him and I alone, um, just playing cards, bullshitting, you know, just just hanging out and being buds, so so to not have him in my, like, social life is not new, and so it's, I'm not confronted with his loss as often as maybe I would be or am with A. Every single day I'm confronted with the fact that I don't have A, but With Yuli, it's like, I can just put away my cribbage board, you know, I can just put away my decks of cards, and then I don't have to think about it. And it's not until I'm playing cribbage with someone, or I'm listening to one of his favorite bands, or I'm intentionally going back through our old conversations that I have to relive the the, uh, confrontation that he's not here.
1: Thanks to Atlas for starting this season off by reminding us not only how varied the definition of grief can be, but how long and winding the path of grieving is. There's so much strength to be found in Atlas's story, and I'm so glad you got a chance to hear it. If you want to connect with Atlas, I'll leave a link for how to do that in the show notes. What's Your Story is produced by me, JD, with background music by Chad Lawson. The stories, though, well, they're all yours, the listener. So if you've got a story you want to share, you can do so by heading to FragileMoments.org your tellyourstory. If there's something that resonated with you in today's episode, and I really hope there is, let me know over at Story Sharing Pod over on Twitter. Above all, thanks to you for tuning in to What's Your Story and helping me shed some much-needed light on mental illness. Any show, big or small, but especially a small one like this, survives based on reviews from you, the listener. Give this episode a review when you're done processing all you heard today so that others can see how important stories like these are to share. And I'll give you a shout out. Thanks for tuning in. And I look forward to hearing your story one day because we all have within us a story to tell. Uh, A song, if you will, that's unsung.